0: So we're at John 3. We're going to be preaching through the book of John, studying the book of John. And each week we're going to do a chapter on Sundays. And this is John 3. And I titled this Jesus in the Impossible um, because we've talked about, like, in the first chapter it really was establishing Jesus is God here, guys. And this is what this is the beginning of this whole thing. And then in the next week we start to see that his he's, what does, you know, uh, Kind of like what is that what is he doing now, and what is that you know Kevin really went into the importance of the first miracle at the wedding and then his cleansing of the temple, which was kind of jumping forward in the timeline and how these things like you know, and so in that same sort of way, you got to remember each week there is a big point kind of to each chapter, but it fits in this bigger picture storyline so you don 't want to lose that um, that uh, so this part has two this chapter has two parts that establish where you're starting to start to see some things about Jesus making claims about what he's doing, and it's impossible things, okay? And so they kind of have an interaction that happens, and then some claims about it, and then another interaction that happens, and then some claims about it. And those two sets of claims kind of start to say the same thing about Jesus as the Messiah and what that means and where that's going. And so we want to just look through it. Um, We're going to focus mostly on the first one because there's a little bit more back and forth. And then, um, so what it is, is a guy named Nicodemus, who's a religious leader, he's picked up on the fact that Jesus is not just a normal guy. He's like, you're different than other people, and you're doing things people can't do. So I need to check that out, you know? And then the second one is, again, John the Baptist reminding everybody, just one more reminder, I'm not the Messiah, like I said the whole time, you know? (laughs) That guy is, you know? And then they make these claims about the Messiah, and so... I'm just going to re- what I'm going to do this time is just read a little chunks and have some commentaries as we go along um, and then sum it up at the end. so in John three verse one, now there was a Pharisee named a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, "Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if, you, if God were not with him. So he knows that Jesus isn't just like a normal guy he's like... But he's like, help me understand what's going on here. A lot of us <laughs> might find ourselves in a very similar place. Like, we know this Jesus guy is not the same as other people, but I don't quite get the whole thing, you know. And it's funny because he comes at at night, and darkness and light tend to be, they keep being an image in this book of John. Like, you remember at the very beginning, the darkness and the light, which was very Genesis-like language. And then here's this guy coming in the night to find out, and he's probably like he doesn't say this, but he's probably doing it so nobody else sees. Like he's like, I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing. What I'm you know, but I want to find out what's going on with this guy. But I definitely don't want it to be like big news. You know what I mean? Um, and so he's trying to keep it hidden. Jesus doesn't usually let us get away with that kind of thing, but he's kind. And so Jesus responds to him. So he's like, Hey, we know you're you're doing things. Going, you know, if God weren't with you, you couldn't do it. Jesus is like, Very truly I tell you. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. So, we're used to hearing the words born again. If you're a churchy person, like, I've been born again. I've been born again. Well, that's where you get this from, you know. And the, but I want you to try to hear this like this guy would have heard it, which would be like, just remove that, like something like, you know, hey, you know, Jesus replied, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless you are reborn or unless you, experience birth again you know and you're like what do you what you know and and so what you said this is what this guy says because this is an impossible thing and so Nicodemus says well how can someone be born when they are old Nicodemus asked surely they can't enter the second time into their mother's womb so he's like what are you talking about fair question Jesus answered very truly I tell you no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised by me saying you, should, you must be born again. So now he's getting a little corrective, like, hey, come on, dude, you know. But he's starting to talk about f- flesh birth and spirit birth, flesh birth, spirit. And he's making kind of an illusion because it's not clear from the language whether water is one option and spirit is another or if there's, they're like one thing, like you're born of water and spirit. And so people have to kind of make an interpretive thing. He's at least speaking about the idea that you can be alive but not spiritually alive, and that's what he's talking about. And it makes a little bit of an allusion to Ezekiel. I don't want to read it here just because this is a really good good scripture. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Who wants a heart of flesh and not stone? (laughs) This is what Jesus is offering here. Verse 8, back in John, Jesus continues, The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone that is born of the Spirit. So the kind of people that have this new heart and have been cleaned, they start being different. They start encountering things. Like I was talking about just a minute ago, like you encounter the pandemic differently than other people. Who, and who wants to be like that? I do. I'm just telling you right now. I want to be like that, okay? And so now he's described this heavenly birth that you need to have. And that, that will change you. But it's still like, okay, fine. How do, you know, and so but Nicodemus says, How can this be? Like, how how do you do that? You know? And Jesus says, You are Israel's teacher and you don't understand these things? He's like, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know. This is Jesus saying about you know him. We speak of what we know and we testify what we've seen, but you still but you but still, you people do not accept our testimony. And then here's, I've spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? Now, I don't know about you guys, but whenever I'm reading the Bible and it talks about some stuff that I go, man, that's pretty deep. And then the immediate commentary on it is like, this isn't even like step, like this is like the basic stuff. You know, I don't even get what I'm talking about. That Paul does this a couple times. I don't always be like, oh, awesome. You know, I'm usually like, Okay, I guess I need to read that again because I don't, you know, because Jesus is saying to him, he's like, this isn't even the deep stuff yet. Like, I mean, it's like I'm not even, I'm giving it to you as, ba- I'm giving it to you basic, and you're not picking up what what I'm talking about. And so I would, well, maybe it'll get a little easier to understand, right? You know, a so verse thirteen, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who comes from heaven. You're like, okay, that's Jesus, the Son of Man. Okay, gotcha. Verse fourteen, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness. So the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And for me, like, when you, when you, like you, you may know this story. I'm going to explain it. But <laughs> Jesus is talking about, remember last week when he was like, my hour has not come? He's talking about his hour at this point. This is like the central human thing that's ever going to happen, ever ever did, ever will, including World War II, you know, like everything, you know, this is the most important thing that's ever going to happen. And he compares it to Moses lifting up a snake in the wilderness. That's a little strange to me, maybe not to you. It is in the Bible, but to me, it's like of everything that, you know, you're like, okay. Well, what is he talking about? In the book of Numbers in chapter 21 and so you remember moses is leading the people out of out of egypt they were in slavery and he leads them out and god's done some pretty amazing things parting the sea the whole bit all that and people respond by complaining a lot over and over again which shows two things uh one how in a way self-centered we are i don't look like this is them but come on guys you know complaining a lot because we are self-centered the same way, and they don't trust God, like, at all, again. Remember the same God that parted the sea? Now immediately, like, oh, you brought us out here to die? This is great. And you see this over and over and over again. And God's not, like, cool with it, you know? And so um, here they are again, you know, why have you brought us up out of Egypt and to die in the wilderness? There's no bread and no water, and we detest this miserable food. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but I these kinds of You know, I hear these kind of things in my own heart or in my own family. I mean, this is just how we are, right? But here's the thing. The Lord sent venomous snakes among them, and they bit people, and many Israelites died. That's intense. But here's the response, okay? The people came to Moses and said, we sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. True, right? They, they They get what's up. They're like, we shouldn't have done that because it was wrong, not just because there's snakes now. The snakes are just kind of the proof of it, all right? Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, which is good. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake. This is what Jesus is referring to now, okay? Listen to this. Make a snake, put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Oh, sorry. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is an int- so I don't know about you, and I'm not like a, I can't think of the word, but I'm not like a snake. Biologist, But, I mean, the idea that there's venomous snakes biting everyone, you're like, don't worry, guys, I got the solution. We're going to make a bronze snake and hold it up, and everybody that looks at it will be okay. I'm going to venture the guess that's not going to come to mind to most of us here. But it came to God's mind, and that's what he wanted them to do, and they did it. And the thing that you start to see is that all these things that the Israelites are doing aren't just the things that they're doing. They have other meanings, too. And the severity with which these things matter is up to God. It's not up to us. Like, to me, it's like this sounds silly, but it does what it's supposed to do. There's a part where Moses is is praying. They're like, we need water. And God's like, strike this rock with a stick, and the water will come forth. And he does it, and it doesn't happen as fast as he wants, so he does it again. And... Paul later tells us that that was symbolizing striking Jesus twice, and God says, because of that, you're not going in the promised land. This whole thing. So, like, you go, gosh, he just, I mean, dude's dealing with a lot. He hit a rock twice. Who it's like, God cares about things, okay? And you know, we got to remember that. Like, he's God and we're the people. You know, as Americans, we're so used to running everything. We think, like, well, I don't vote for that. <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter what you vote for. You know, he's God and you're not. I mean, come on. And uh, I'm trying to give us some worldview here, right? All right. So, the. Uh, the point is, if this sounds silly, it, it may tend to be. But remember, the title of this message is Jesus in the Impossible, right? So we might go, God, it's impossible that uh, looking at a bronze snake on a pole is going to take away venom from your body, and then you'll live. But it happened. And then when Jesus is trying to say, here's what my hour is going to look like. I'm going to be up like that snake, and if you look upon me, you will live. Now this guy is a teacher. This guy knew what he was talking about. You see what I'm saying? Like some of us haven't read the Bible as much as this guy he had. Like he'd memorized this stuff. So when he, Jesus says, "You know when Moses did the pole thing?" He's like, "Yeah, I know what you're talking about." You know. But this is interesting. I don't know if you've been paying attention or if you even like you've noticed that verse 15, John 3:15. Says this, you know, that anyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Or, you know, the 14 and 15, that Joseph, Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. That's John 3, 14, and 15. What's the most famous Bible verse in the whole Bible? John 3, 16. That's the next verse. And that says this For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's like, the reason that's the most famous is it kind of gets at everything really quick. But it's found right in this conversation, just following the snake bit. We'll come back to it. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. We'll come back. He, and he's, it's so he, this is all being motivated by love. This is the point that, you know, and he's not sending Jesus to condemn the world because the world's already condemned. He's sending Jesus to save like this snake is to save, okay? Again, I, we're going to come back and sum up some stuff, so I'm going I'm to keep moving. Um, verse 19, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Remember, we we're talking about light again, just like we were a second ago. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for the fear of their deeds will be exposed, because they will. <laughs> but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Now, we just know that that's true. <laughs> um, so Jesus is laying out, here's what I'm going to do. I'm offering what we call salvation. I'm offering freedom from this thing. I'm offering this new life. There's a possible new life I just told you about. I'm offering it to you. But people aren't, not everyone's going to want it. Because when you start shining the light around, they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't get in my stuff. You know, I'm fine with coming and pretending like I believe God on Sunday, but I don't want you looking at my phone. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm not going to, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying... God already knows. Like when he's saying, "Stands condemned already." It's not like it's like, "Oh, you fooled me up till now." (laughs) You know, (laughs) he's like, so it's not happening. The next chunk, I'm going to skip this because you can read it on your own time. It's basically John the Baptist again, reminding everybody, "Hey guys," because Jesus is baptizing people now. So John's guys are like, "Hey, this other guy's like doing what you're doing," and he's like, "Yeah," like that was the whole thing. Remember? And he's like, "He must increase. I must decrease." I'm not the Messiah. And then he starts to make, at the end of this, his chunk of claims about Jesus, which ma- kind of mirror the first ones. He says this. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then we'll talk about the similarities. So go to verse 31. The one who comes from above is above all. This is Jesus he's talking about. And he's like, I'm not this. Like He's like, I can only do what heaven gives me, and I had a job. I'm going to get the guy ready. I'm going to get things ready, right? I'm the bridegroom's friend. He's the bridegroom. And he's like, And the bridegroom's like this. The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Read, here, read, I'm just going to read this verse again. Think about that whole snake story, right? Okay? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. See, like, when you talk about this, again, we're talking about this snake imagery and how this is an interesting thing because this whole Bible story, because the gospel starts in Genesis, really, you know what I mean? And you have humanity being created and being deceived by a serpent, which you can start being poetic a little bit, bitten by a serpent, cursed by a serpent to die, just like this little mini story we see in this Numbers thing. So all humanity is cursed by this sin. All of us, till this day, bit by this snake. But then you see in Exodus, all of a sudden, God's sending Moses to set people free from slavery. What is one of the things he does? He's like, take your staff and throw it on the ground. It's going to turn into a snake. It's like, wait a minute. What? And then when he goes to challenge the people who are enslaving people, Hear with me these poetic images, okay, guys? The enslavers, the ones holding God's people in slavery. They're like, hey, show me something. He's like, snake. And they're like, we can do that. And then they do. Weird. And then God's snake eats theirs. And that kind of freaks people out a little bit. Everybody that was there when the snake biting thing happened knows all of what I just said. So when he's holding up a staff with a snake on it, it's another reminder that, like, not only has this snake that's biting everybody, you know, there's a prophecy There's like, one day there's going to be someone who comes that, that crushes your head. This is a prophecy about who Jesus is. Even then, you see, I'm trying to pull some things together here. So, so the serpent deceives Eve and Adam, and they fall into this place of sin, God says, don't worry, it's not over. Like, you didn't win. One day there's going to be someone that comes from a man that's going to crush you. You know, and then you see a little window of this into, like, Moses is throwing, you know, and there's a snake. And then when he holds this thing up, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, that guy, that snake's not in charge anymore. You know, God can make these snakes. God, God is the one in charge. This is really what you're starting to see from this whole picture. But it's still crazy. Okay? And it challenges our, what? The guy Nicodemus in this thing isn't there just because, well, gosh, that guy's an idiot. He's not an idiot. He knows the Bible way better than we do. I promise you that, you know, and the other stuff. Like, you know, there's a lot of other teaching around that. That's all this guy does. And he doesn't have YouTube or anything to distract him. He's just literally memorizing the Bible his whole life. And he sees Jesus. Remember, this whole thing we're talking about the Gospel of John is come and see, come and see. Come and see. He sees. You're like, something's up with this guy. So then he's like, hey, man, tell me what's up. And then Jesus starts talking. He's like, what are you talking about? You know? But these, these, both these, these passages, these two sections of this thing, make, make these claims about Jesus. And I'm, they both are pulling from heaven and earth images. There's something about earth that's broken, and there's something about heaven that needs to come and fix it. Jesus is they both say, Jesus himself, and then John says, he's like, these guys are just telling you what they're see- They're just giving you a testimony of what they know, but nobody's believing them, you know. Jesus says, all I'm doing is telling you what I'm, what I'm seeing, but you guys aren't believing me. And then John's like, all he's doing is telling everybody what he's seeing, but you're not believing him. They both say that. They both talk about the spirit now coming and the giving of the spirit without measure in the second one. You know, this idea that now this, this separation that happened all the way back here with Adam and Eve can be repaired because of something Jesus is doing. This is big deal stuff. Like globally huge matters to everyone stuff. On the most epic scale. And on the most individual scale. Okay. And then the most important part of this whole thing is that like looking at the serpent. Or what we should say, come and see. Look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look. Come and look. This behold idea. It's not just look like. Got it. Good. You know, not like that. (laughs) You see when he says in fifteen, anyone who looks, you know, and then sixteen, believes, and then at the end believes. And when we talk about believe, it's not just um, a mental assent to this idea of who Jesus like. Yeah, Jesus, I believe in that. It's the kind of thing that means it's like load-bearing. What I mean is like now that's that's the whole thing that my life is built on. Like I'm going to, everything has to be rebirthed to be built on that. You get what we're talking about now? I'm going to paraphrase this in my own words. Um, The world is lost and destroyed by sin and evil led by the serpent and the fallen man, and the, we see this in Genesis. Our whole world is corrupted by sin and evil. This does not take a rocket scientist to recognize. If you think of a funny thing, G.K. Chesterton, we are so bothered by sin. Not just because it's evil, but we're bothered by the idea of it. Like, me too? Really? You know, and G.K. Chesterton wrote in his book, Orthodoxy, he's like, he thought it was funny that at the time people had such a trouble with, with the idea of original sin. He's like, that's like, almost the only thing that we all have proof of <laughs> like we all know that we're sinners i mean come on guys you know and uh but this but what i'm saying is this is on a per, the most personal and the most global scale like you look at stuff like world war 2 and the evil that was happening at this time You know, that's just where my mind has been. But you don't have to go back that far. I mean, we could talk about what's going on right now and the evil that you could see in the world. And you don't have to get into conspiracy theories. Like, let's just not. But the the whole idea of, like, there's evil people doing evil stuff in the world, I'm like, we don't even, you don't even know. Like, I'm pretty sure if we could see what God was seeing and how evil and how bad people are, it would destroy us. You know what I mean? But we know it all the way down to our own personal you know, it's all right if I steal a little or, you know, no one, like this kind of thing. You know, and they are different, but they're not. And we're in a rule, we're, we're stuck in a world that's ruled by these things. Evil does rule the world in that sense. Cheating does get you ahead. We all know that. People murder each other to take over things. You don't have to be Hitler, but yeah, I mean, you see what I'm saying? Like, that's how the world works. We're stuck there. And because of our role in it, we really don't deserve any help. You're kind of getting what you deserve. Like when you yell at God about, I don't even want to be out here in this desert. There's no – and the snakes are coming and biting you. It's like, oh, gosh, I'm getting what I deserve. I'm not – you see what I'm saying? That's a punishment you deserve. We know we're getting what we deserve, and we don't deserve any help out of it. And our, our lives are ruled by jealousy. Later, John talks like the lust of the eyes, you know, pornography all these things that come from that wanting more and more no matter what <laughs> at all the cost i have to have more lust of the eyes lust of the flesh the pride of life all those things you know i'm better than other people all all the decisions we make based on that type of thing that's how the world works and that's how it's destroying everyone and we're stuck in it as people and we're in the dark you talk about the dark We know what it's dark. Some of us have some pretty dark feelings at night. I mean, when you start reading about suicide rates, this is how desperate people are right now. And the pandemic hasn't helped. You know, we've isolated people. People are very lonely. People are broken. People are hurting. People can't think clearly. They're not making logical decisions because there's no logic left. These are desperate, broken people that have no hope because there's no hope to be had. Because everything's evil. And the only way out would be something like starting over. Like <laughs> we need something to erase everything and start over. we got to start over. All the bad stuff I've done, all the bad stuff that's been going on has to be ended and has to start over. Somewhere, somewhere where maybe there's no tears anymore. and There'll be no weeping or mourning. These kinds of things. That's the only way out. It's not just... Give peace a chance, you know what I mean? That's not going to get us there. Like, we're going to have to get past these bad things that have happened, you know? But this is impossible. And God knows that in human ways this is impossible. But, because He loves us, He did the impossible thing. Wait a second, you're saying the way you just said isn't the way it has to be? No. But not because of us or anything we did or anything we deserve. It's only because God is good and he loves each and every one of us. Because. And like we said, it was inconceivable. Like The, the, thing that, the things that have to happen to free us from this bondage of sin to make things right with God again, to to free us from the devil, to free us from sin and death and the whole thing. And you you could go on, and people do, (laughs) for thousands of pages, how this works, why this works, propitiation of sin, expiation of sin, blah, 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 all these things. Very important, very important to talk about all that. But we don't need to get into that right now because Jesus just said, look, we can talk about that all later. You know what I'm saying is true. You know, life is ruled by this bad stuff. And as he promised, a lot of us like it that way. But one day the light's coming full on. And he's given us a chance right now because he's like, the darkness is going to end. And if you stay with the darkness, you end. But I'm giving you a chance to be part of the light here. And it's, not, it's because he did the impossible thing. And he allows now for that second birth to be like a child of light to take place. And all we have to do is believe him. He's telling a testimony. He's like, hey, I'm just telling you what's up, but no one's believing me. And the John's like, he's just telling you what's up, but no one's believing him. Because it sounds crazy. Why would God do that? Why would any you know, like, that's not going to work. Are you just going to look at a snake and the venom's going to go away? That's dumb. And here's the thing. It's not like, well, is it just because that now thousands of years later we think so differently that, you know, this seems crazy to us? Let me just read you something. This is from 1 Corinthians, and it's in your Bible. 1 Corinthians 1, starting at verse 18. For the message of the cross, this is what I've been laying out here, trying to put it in, like, our own words. For the message of the cross is what? Foolishness. Do you you want to know what that word means? Foolishness. (laughs) I didn't actually look it up. Byron could talk about that. but (laughs) It means foolishness. The the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent. I will frustrate. I've been frustrated by this before. Maybe you have. Or maybe I'm more intelligent. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Forgive me. Where, the, where, there, where is the wise person? Not here. Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, for since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. Like, you didn't figure it out on your own, guys. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. How many times have they said it's foolishness, guys? So it's okay. It is. Jews demand signs. This is what Nicodemus King was like. You're doing stuff. He's doing signs. Like, something's up. And Greeks look for wisdom. Like, tell me how this all makes sense, you know. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews, and foolishness to the Gentiles. There's a lot we could go into there where we won't right now. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. We're talking again about different things here. you know. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Like, okay. This is something that we need to talk about more in the church. Like, this gospel, he's just made it so clear, this, this is for everybody now. You know, even if you're following the Bible story, you might have gotten a hint that, like, this thing that Jesus is going to do or this thing that the Messiah that's coming is going to do, I think is going to change everything. But you still would be probably stuck, it's like, but it's going to, God's coming for Israel, right? I mean, obviously, you know. And what Paul is saying, he's like, this is so good. Not just the people who've been carrying this thing. God's actually going to open it up to everybody. So those of us that aren't Israelites, we even get it. I'm trying to put it in this frame because it's like, this isn't, like you don't just, uh, of course I get it. Of course, you know, it's like, no, guys, we were like two notches back. You know what I mean? It's like, like, not only do we not deserve this because of sin, we're not even in the Israelite group of people. A lot of us. I mean, some of us are. But, like, you know, most of us aren't. Most of the people in the world aren't. And God's like, this is so good. This is for everybody. Like, this is changing things. You have to hear that there. Jews and Greeks, he's saying, you guys too. You get you too. Every single one of you too. But here's the thing. Most of us aren't killing it, all right? You know, we kind of get this idea that, like, you know, oh, man, you know, if I do this, I'm we'll take over the world. He's like, most of us are just getting by, okay? He kind of starts talking about this here. And I'm trying to tell you. It's okay. Like, this is what God, this gospel is for all of us, including those of us that don't kill it all the time. Like, most of us aren't that talented. Most of us aren't that smart. Most of us aren't that great by those things that I was telling you about that the world uses to measure everything, that run the world. We don't have to care about those things anymore. And Paul starts to get into this. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Okay? Okay. Like, you go, How do, like, what, what about me? I'm nobody. Okay. He's like, most of you guys are nobody. Okay? Most of us are nobody. And we don't have to care about that anymore. Like, the world cares about that. We don't care about that. Because. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things And the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It's hard for me to, Kayla, whenever y'all are ready, come on up here and play. Play whatever y'all want to play. I suggested playing that power in the name of Jesus to break every chain song, but... I don't know, we might be landing in a different place. I'm trying, I, I don't know if I've done a good job, and I pray that, Lord, if, if I haven't, that you would still speak to people's hearts in spite of me. This idea of what God, Jesus, has done and what he's explaining to these people and what John the Baptist is saying about Jesus in the scripture is so central to who we are as Christian people, and it's foundational. There's a reason that that's the most famous verse in the entire Bible. At the same time, It's if you want to sit there and pick at it and analyze it, it's crazy. It's crazy if you get it, and it's crazy if you don't get it. It's like, it's just a, it's a almost unfathomable thing. I found a quote by Fleming Rutledge, who's a a Bible teacher I like a lot, and she said this, what has happened in Jesus is humanly impossible. The incarnation of God is, is impossible the resurrection is impossible (laughs) and yet both these things actually happen here i have this quote go ahead and put it up and it says this is the gospel and it's crazy i'm going to read it again you can read along with me what has happened to jesus is humanly impossible the incarnation of god god becoming a human being like that's what john one was about like that's impossible the resurrection, after Jesus' death on the cross, coming back to life, that's impossible. And yet both these things actually happen, and that's the gospel. And it's crazy. <laughs> but it's incredibly freeing. It's the only way to life. You know, we stand judged otherwise. We stand, we're stand we still under the judgment. The venom of the snake still going to get you. But all you do is put your faith in Jesus, and all of that ends. And eternal life is just the beginning. Do you have something to share, Jackson?
1: Amen. Thank you, God. So, just as I was just kind of praying over this, even as I talked to Brian, even before the service, um, you know, it's true—we're all we're all snake bit. There's the first Adam, where evil came into the world, and. The second Adam Jesus. So Romans four seventeen says, "Call those things that are not as though they are." So you know some of those some of you folks are young, but some of us are are older. And you know as you go through your life, you go, "Goodness, um, I think I've got more warts than what's what's left." And you, you see your own your own sin. And um, just as Brian talked about, you know, such an odd story um, to look upon the snake, the bronze snake. But Jesus became sin. The, The snake that was sin, Jesus became sin that we might look upon Jesus and his sacrifice. And so call those things that are not as though they are. You know, and as I see my life, it takes that. Because I see my life, and it's like, what is there? That's nothing. I don't have it. I don't have, the, I don't have the thing within myself to do this. I can't do it. But I trust God's word more than my own mind my own depraved mind I trust his word that says call those things that are not as though they are and in my own life and in this church in the life of this church Jesus Lord change my life I know the power of your spirit can do this Change me. That's a miracle. That's impossible, as Brian said. It's impossible. But do it, God. Change this church. Change the trajectory of this group of people in Jesus' name. Change my heart, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You're stay up here at the front. James and Angela, I wanted you guys to come. I, we have people that are available to pray. There's time in our lives where God is telling you it's time to start calling some of these things. That are not as though they are the impossible things jesus is laying out that it's his business to do impossible things because he's god that's what he does and it's time in our lives if you if there's things in your life there's people you pray for james and angela are going to be up here at jackson if you don't mind stay up here and available to pray with people to agree in prayer about some of these things so there's people in your life you've been praying for that you have no hope anymore they're going to change or come to know the lord or anything like that it's time to start calling those things as though they are there's things in your own life where there's been addictions or struggles or sins that you've been carrying around that you feel like you can't ever be a part of it's time to call those things as though that are as though they're not this is the end of that The, the idea that you could ever be free from that it's time to call it forth and to put our faith in jesus some of us just need to literally say I don't even know what's wrong with me, but I know I need to look upon Jesus here as he's lifted up. And I want to give my life to him and put my faith in him. And I'm going to pray for us. But if you need prayer, if you need someone to agree with you in prayer, come forward because they're going to be here and available to pray with you. And don't miss the opportunity. And this is not going to be a place where we judge people that come forward for prayer. Because here's the news flash. Every single one of us in here needs prayer. Okay? Like all the time. That's one reason. There's intercession going on forth as the throne, okay? Jesus is praying for you right now, you see. So we're not going to be the kind of place that's like judging people. So if somebody comes forward in prayer because they need to do some business with God, and you come up after them later and say, Jeff thought you went up, I- I'm going to have a hard time with that, and I'm going to talk to you about it. So don't do that ever. And But we need to be a free place. If you need to come do some business with God, do it. So, Father, I pray that you fill this place with the sense of your calling and your presence and the hope that you can do impossible things, the impossible things on a global scale that you've depicted in this book. But Lord, make them personal to us, the impossible things in our lives. Lord, you are the doer of impossible things. So come do that in our midst now, in Jesus' name. Amen.